Welcome to This Human Life with The Philosophical Coach. I'm thrilled to have you tuning in. I'm your host, Sam Kukathis, aka The Philosophical Coach, philosopher, Hume expert, and high-performance coach. This podcast is designed for you to go from being the passenger in your life to the owner of your life. It is designed for you to go beyond who you know yourself to be, really. If that intrigues or excites you, then you are definitely in the right place. The ideas are drawn from neuroscience, philosophy, my coaching practice, working with elite leaders, and experience. You can expect candor, humor, vulnerability, and ideas which are unfamiliar to you, and some you may just plain disagree with. You'll also get the opportunity to hear from inspiring coaches and leaders. Now let's get ready to question what we know and go beyond our limitations. Welcome back to This You Me In Life for one final time. It is my absolute pleasure to welcome back my friend and just joy guru, <laughs> Saad Shah. And what we're going to be speaking about here is really this question of how can people unlock their joy potential? But before we go into that, I want to give you a bit of context for who Saj is in what he's created in the last year alone. So in the month of March, Saj had the world's most watched TED Talk. It has had over half a million views in three weeks alone. That says something about how much people are crying out to experience more joy. And our commitment is that this conversation is going to produce that result for you. But beyond that, right, who Saj is for me is someone who activates joy in my being. Whenever I'm around Saj, and I've got to have the, the privilege of knowing Saj now, I think it's since 2018. Is that right, yeah. Saj? Yeah. I just, I go into a higher vibration because, you know, this man is like a brother to me. I, I, <laughs> I love him with every fiber of my being. You know, he has seen me through the tough times in life, the breakups, and he's helped me enormously. And I just, I can't even imagine what my life would be like to not have Sarge in my life. That's how important he is to me. So that's who you get to share this conversation with today, this incredible human being. So Sarge, thank you so much for being here. Oh, Sam. oh wait, I, I, wait, I've forgotten the most important thing, your book. <laughs> the book you know he didn't just book. he didn't just create a ted talk he created an amazing book called joynetics unlock your joy potential you know Look, which i have it here as well oh my god <laughs> <laughs> like i read this book every night and i slept like a baby because i was just in such a peaceful state after <laughs> reading every single chapter you know so that's just a little endorsement to read this book and if you want a good night's sleep but now back to you Saj. thank you so much for being here <laughs> um thank you by the way the book is not boring that it puts you to sleep right <laughs> absolutely not absolutely not it's a joy to read oh sam um like just just that welcome just that introduction i think for everyone listening to this um it will give more of a sense of who you are than who i am because you're a clearing and a space for people to show up who they really are so as a brother as a as a friend like it's my absolute privilege my honor to be with you on your on your final podcast of this series ever 
ever. Wow. <laughs> so really, really, Sam, thank you. I love you. I love you too, man. And the connection is mutual. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I'm so moved. I am so moved. All right, we got it. We got it. We got to get get stuck in. Otherwise, we're going to just be having a love fest here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. And- <laughs> All right. So, Saj, what do you see is in the way of people unlocking their joy potential? Well, that's that's a very very good question. Like ev- everyone, I believe, has the capacity to unlock their joy potential. Like you and I, in this moment, from nothing triggered it right there was this moment of joy and it was just in the presence of it noticing it and we have our own um, ways that we've learned how to generate it but there are many many powerful practices that actually we get to regulate our own internal pharmacy now I'm I'm a pharmacist so I know a little bit about some of the internal joy chemicals that we can naturally release, naturally trigger right down to a genetic level. And that can actually rewire our brains for, for balance, for harmony, for health and well-being. And it's, and it's that and tapping into those moments that actually unlock joy in, in regardless of, of the circumstances. So that's really where I think we have the potential to unlock this sort of hidden, hidden joy that's embedded within us. And it's like, it's like entering um, a dark room and you're kind of looking around, there's no light and you're looking around for a switch. There's no electricity flowing until you flick the switch on, right? It's like a trigger. Yeah. And it connects you to the light. And so, that's really what I talk about in my, in my, in my, in my book, Joinetics, which is actually what are the triggers, the light switches of joy that we all have access to, but have forgotten where the light switch is. Wow. And so I share some science-backed practices that act like your light switch. Like once you've triggered it, it creates what I like to call like a, a resuscitation, like an energy jolt that actually reconnects you to your own inner joy that actually gets to radiate out. And that, I think you tapped into that when you, when you shared, like, what is it? Like when you're in the, in the space or in a moment where suddenly there's an energy about it when you enter a room and it's lit up, that's what I'm talking about. And everyone has the capacity to do that. Now, so what's what's stopping us? Yeah, absolutely. Right. What 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 is actually stopping us? Like, I mean, if you if you think about like joy itself, yeah. And I wanted to just stop because it means a lot of things for a lot of people. For sure. I'm not talking about joy which is connected to happiness. Because mm-hmm. everyone wants happiness, of course. I'm talking about joy as this way of being or a state that is fundamental to our human existence like well-being and flourishing but it's a community thing it's not an individual survival thing 
That's interesting. Okay. I'd like, I want to hear a bit more about that because that's not something I've thought of before. Can you share a bit more? Yeah. So, I mean, so when we're, when we're looking for happiness, looking for certain external uh, things that we want in our life, more money, uh, more of a house, and what will automatically happen is our survival instinct will kick in. Yeah. And that survival instinct is either to fight for it when, 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 when you're up against it or to run away as fast as you can from any threats to that not coming about. And that is a, that is a built-in wiring system from our brains, from, from, from our prehistoric lives that tell us how to survive. And we will. We'll always survive um, in that kind of conversation of being safe. Yeah. But safety is an individual situation. Mm. So what makes joy different? How do you, like, I, I got the picture of like the survival aspect of things. And I think probably some people are aware of that kind of aspect of the human experience, but how do you bring in this community oriented aspect of joy, which is what I was hearing if I got you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so joy is actually tripled, quadrupled when it's actually shared with people. Yeah. We were a demonstration of that right at the beginning. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I couldn't have generated that on my own because guess what? On my own, I'm dealing with my own internal dialogue, which is saying, oh my God, I'm going to go on a podcast with Sam. Um, what if no one listens to it? What if, what if, what if I, oh no, have I got, have I got, have I trimmed my nose hairs? All of that is an individual survival instinct that doesn't actually leave me experiencing any joy. Yeah. But the moment that I get present to another human being and my context is to generate joy in you, Sam, <laughs> I get to experience joy just in that. And then it's a mirror effect. Yeah. And that's what I mean that that's where we get to thrive as a community. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I can I can really see that. Like you, you you painted such a vivid picture there of our experience when we got onto this podcast, and just also just thinking about our experience in general. Like you know, the joy is always by being with you. So yeah, it makes you know, I, I I it's just like oh, that's obvious now. Like I just why hadn't I even thought of it that way? And listen, and Sam, the other thing is, joy is always present. Yeah, people don't realize that it doesn't need to be created. It's always there. Oh, okay. Now I want that sounds juicy. Okay, let's let's I want to hear a little bit more about that. <laughs> joy, joy is there. It's, it's an energy state that we have access to trigger any moment and yeah. generate it. So I it's want to kind of get on the court a little bit here. So imagine, right, someone's having feeling really down during the day, or they're going through a state mm -hmm. of you know depression, like there's a there's a an yeah. ongoing state of where their emotional being is yeah. is that way and that depressed ions. Yeah. Yeah. How would they get themselves present to joy, given that joy is all around and can be you know created or generated in a moment? Yeah. The first thing is to notice. 
the lack of it. Okay. And notice the areas where joy isn't present. Like really look at it. Mm. I mean, that's that's where you know one of the fundamental um, wake up call for me was losing my father. And I, you know, I shared about it in, in the first podcast and, and certainly sort of the inspiration behind the book as well. But at, at my father's funeral, from people sharing who my father was through his life, where he got to inspire joy in other people. And, and, and he, he, was, he was actually known as the joy guru. You know, and, and thank you for, for giving me the, the, the baton, but you know, he was actually known by a lot of people as the joy guru. They, 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 they called him that. What I actually realized is that I had access to all of that joy. I grew up with it. That's where I came from. But I wasn't being it in certain areas of my life, with being in being like that in my corporate life, working life, being like that with my conversations with my mother or conversations and 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 being like that with with my children at a certain point you know life had become suddenly serious heavy and significant i think you called it, it was storm. that moment yeah, sorry I, yeah go for it such yeah no it, it was it was exactly that because i i thought that what am i actually focused on if it's not joy in those areas and what I was actually focused on, and I call this the storm of, of, of modern life, I was focused on my stress. I was focused on my anxiety. I was focused on my tiredness, like focus, like I am tired. I need to either fix it or just like veg out. And I was focused on all of the things I needed to do and could never get on top of it. Like there was just this overwhelm. And I was also focused on that there's no way out. Mm. Like there's no way out. That was a conversation I was having with myself. And I was resigned. And guess what? Then there was an entire pretense. So the outside world, you saw this, hey, look at me. I've got things figured out. You know, I've got these achievements, but I was miserable internally in myself. Yeah. And that's, that's, that wasn't just me because in, in writing the book, I did a lot of research about, um, about the state of play with people in the Western world. Yeah. Right now, you know, I just wanted to share, if you look at, if you think about Sam, the, the 21st century, mm-hmm. It has been the most advanced and progressive era in human history, right? Like if I had, if I was to ask you, like what, you know, name name some of the advancements that we've had. What what would you say? Uh, medicine. Yeah, I would medicine, say of course. technology. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I would say in terms of like financial well being. Yeah, like there's a there's a decrease in you know the poverty line. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's there's probably hundreds more. No, and and there are. I mean, it is it. You know, we're living longer. Mm. We are generally safer as a society 
you know, the progress, the advancements are just incredibly remarkable. But guess what? This exponential rise in technology, education, health, there's been an equivalent decline in one factor, one measure. What do you reckon that is? Would it be joy search? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It's as simple as that. Our overall joy of life has not advanced to the same level. And in fact, some would argue and some, some research suggests that we're more focused in the storm of modern life than actually our overall joy of life. Yeah, I think we can, I can see that very, very clearly from the, 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 the way you capture what the storm looks like. Certainly, I see you know on LinkedIn where I spend a lot of my time, like all the people's the overwhelm that people are experiencing, the exhaustion which is there, and yeah. just like the disempowerment, which is kind of a default for for yeah. so many. And by the way, and and, and Sam, there's look, we're all there. We're all there in those moments during a day. There'll be moments of stress, tiredness, overwhelm, resignation, and misery. Yeah. So I'm not saying that that's wrong. No, absolutely. Yeah. And that's a great point to make. Yeah. That, you know, what I'm saying is that we don't get present to the sources, the real sources behind our experience of stress, tiredness, overwhelm, resignation, and misery. Yeah. Right. We look at what's happening out there in the world and literally give away our power. Yeah to experience joy in the moment. And so that's, you know, and, and it's not our fault either. I mean, we have literally created this most advanced world that we're living in, but we appear to struggle to keep up with the pace of change in the world that we've created. That is beautifully right? put. <laughs> so high level of um, life dissatisfaction, lack of aliveness, lack of joy. Now, if you ask any person, and I'll ask you, Sam, like, what is it that you want most in life? Fulfillment. Fulfillment. Yeah. Right. right. It's not necessarily about doing something to get to a happier life. No. And it might not even be living a joyful life, because that means you have to do some stuff before you can do that. Yeah. Maybe it's just actually being fulfilled. Yeah. And where does that fulfillment actually come from? Well, my being. <laughs> and if you're accessing one of the highest frequency energy states before peace and contentment settles in, even beyond love, that's joy. So is there a higher vibrational frequency than joy? Yeah. What is that? Peace. Peace. Uh-huh. See, joy is the bridge between love and peace. It's the access. Well, that makes a lot of sense then why I experienced so much peace from reading your book. <laughs> Thank you. Well, look, and... Um, I'm not claiming anything. Yeah. The book is really a, uh, an adventure. 
it was my own personal adventure and it's kind of a discovery. Yes. It's a discovery to put some simple science-backed practices in play and see what, what shows up. And what it will do is also heighten, enable you to notice what's been unnoticed before, which is the areas of life where joy doesn't exist and give you a strategy to inject it in the moment. And we don't have that. Like think about the countless choices that are available for us right now. Yeah. Sam, like numerous decisions that we're making in such short time frames, right? And then and then we look at people's Instagram reels, Facebook, LinkedIn. There's there's comparisons that suck out any joy. Um, you know, then there's a hunger for like the instant gratification. Yeah. Instant expectation, on-demand everything. And it would seem that actually we've got more addicted to that kind of modern lifestyle that we really don't have time to experience moments of joy. Yeah, because we're just on to the next thing. <laughs> we're on to the next thing. Yeah, no. We're on to the next thing. There's no experience of achievement or accomplishment inside of that because yeah. there's something else to do yeah yeah see we're unconsciously addicted to stress yeah it's a drug <laughs> and we don't know that we're addicted to it and that's why we have more and more people in the world suffering from mental health issues like the world health organization um estimates that mental health disorders cost the global economy, I think it's uh, uh, $1 trillion each year, not only in, in lost productivity, but now things like depression are one of the leading causes of ill health and disability in the world. Yeah. And my, my simple way of looking at it is what if we sh just shifted our focus, shifted the conversation away from there's so much stress and anxiety and depression in the world. And I'm not, I'm not invalidating that it's yeah. there, yeah. but I'm saying what if we also started noticing the moment-to-moment -moment joy that's available as well? And then yeah. perhaps there's going to be a bit of a shift. I think you're dead right. Like It makes me think of working with someone around anxiety and they're thinking that what we're going to do is talk all about anxiety. But actually, it's mm -hmm. the opposite. You actually spend much more time <laughs> looking at what's in the way of them experiencing joy. And by the end of the conversation, they're in joy. And I remember like this one woman, like where the first time I was quite worried because she's talking about all these different serious medical conditions that she was dealing <laughs> with and just way life looked and the bleakness of it. And then she comes back the next week and she's just got this face, which is beaming from ear to ear. I'm like, yeah. there's another human being here. I was like, this is extraordinary. Just unlocking yeah. the joy in someone, you know, and then they just started taking action in their life because it was just like, 
oh, I just saw these areas where I was avoiding this and this. I'm like, I didn't even bring that language in. Like, maybe I did a little bit, but like, that was what she did. She was yeah. activated in a way where she brought that towards herself. So that's what, you know, bring this joy brings in, right? Like you start to operate from being a different human being. It is so true what you just said. And thank like, just you just presenced and, and, in life situation where it shifted someone's experience just like that like the experience of joy you know scientifically um an increase in energy and that's why it's one of the highest energy frequency states right mm. it actually is an expansion rather than a con contraction see when, yeah. when we're anger angry frustrated Yes, it gets us somewhere. When we're really angry, it, it, it gives us a little bit of energy towards something. But those energy states are very, very um, closed off. Yeah. It's sort of constraining. But the moment that you get to a higher energy level, which is where joy is, you increase your own energy outwards. You're giving it away. That not only increases someone's confidence, but it increases self-esteem. And that's one of the, 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 the sources of transforming a world which is engulfed in an epidemic of stress tiredness anxiety and that's what i'm that's why i'm doing the things that i'm doing because i'm 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 excited at the prospect of transforming the conversation to yeah. everyone experiencing joy in their life and having access to it and that's a powerful future. Like that's a future I think anyone can get behind. <laughs> so I want to presence this conversation because I think a lot of what we've been talking about is what we might call the battleground, I think is the distinction that you use, if mm. I remember correctly, in the yeah. book. And versus the, the playground, essentially, of, of life. And, mm. you know, I know from our conversations in the book, you, you, you really, you bring home like how you were in the battleground of life rather than the playground. Yeah. Would you be able to share more about that? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Look, so um, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting, I don't know if you can, can you can see this. this I can this see painting. it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, wh whether, whether you're anyone listening to this, watching this is an artist or this is one of the most famous, most joyful, most priceless pieces of art that I had the privilege of owning. Can I tell you why? Absolutely, please do. Because this, this piece in my office brings me joy every day when I see it. It was created by my two sons. So when my first son um, was born, it was the most, the day I became a father was probably that moment of joy that is so deeply embedded that that's one of my access points. So the moment that, 
And by the way, I like I might have written a book on joy and I might have done a TED talk on joy. That doesn't mean that I wake up like a bunny jumping around. No, some mornings I wake up like a sourpuss misery guts. <laughs> That's life. Yeah. <laughs> But then there are these moments that I, I've, I've discovered strategies to access that are there, that are those little power sources. When you switch that switch on, it just lights up and then it starts radiating. This painting is one of them because it reminds me of where there was joy in being a father with my two young sons getting a blank canvas getting a whole load of paint, going out into the garden and just saying, Druin, Niam, let loose. You know, it was mucky. We had paint all over ourselves. You know, there's paint everywhere. They were just splashing paint, putting their hands over it. And this is when they were young. Okay. Yep. And then, and then we just, we, we put it, put it up. And then I got caught up in my corporate work environment. And the painting stopped being painted on. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. I've actually got a picture of the moment that, that initial. So every year, by the way, sorry. So when they were young, from, from Drew and the moment that he could actually hold a paintbrush and, and throw paint, the same with Nia, my, my um, uh, uh, second son. It was exactly the same. Every year, summertime, we'd bring the canvas out and we'd have these moments where, you know, so, so this is basically now 17 years worth of artwork, except there was a period of time where it all stopped because I stopped being playful. I stopped being fun I stopped laughing with my kids and the reason I did that is because I got so into my corporate environment and and the trend in corporate environments was like or at least my conversation about the trend in corporate environments was it invalidating play uh, you know playfulness as childish like unproductive time-wasting endeavors all right laughter almost considered like suspect in a corporate environment yeah like, if you're laughing you're not working hard right so serious work i equated to um success and it can't be with play so work and play totally became two separate things with me you know play can't happen until the work is done. So I made my working life serious, significant, and guess what? That seriousness spilled into my home life, mm. despite the separation. That kind of um, overwhelming sense of responsibility and competitiveness at work like, had me bury any fun and enjoyment and even though I had a separation of work and play, I was spending so much time in work 
that it just became a habit to bring that seriousness back home. And what I noticed was it was actually one, one particular moment where I would go and play football um, with my, my kids. And most of the times um, in their younger days, I'd be like running around and like in the energy with them, rough and tumble, pretending to be Pele and they had no clue who Pele was. Yeah, it shows my age, but um, you know, it was like, it was incredible. And then the moments where like I was doing it because it was, a bur it, I had to because it was football time and I'd be there, I would be this body that's kicking a football around as soon as the ball arrives to them. Not present mm. to the joy all around and instead thinking, oh my God, tomorrow I've got this and I've got this. And then annoyed at an email that I had from work. And this is the weekend. And guess what I missed? That moment of joy that was all around me. The invitations of joy and play were around me. But I did not take it. Because I was worried about something that wasn't real at that point. It was something that was happening. Or... I was mad and upset about something that happened yesterday or two days before, or probably even 10 years before. I have no clue. But I was not present in the joy that was surrounded me. Now, did it matter to my boys? No, because they were exuding joy regardless. They had dad here in that moment. And I was pretending to be present with them. They knew that it was this vacant look on my face. Yeah automatically kicking a ball around as a, as a, as a knee-jerk reaction. And that's when I noticed that I'd stopped playing. As the complexities and expectations on me of modern life with little time, energy, imagination, that there just wasn't, I wasn't making time for it. So one of the fundamental things I, I talk about in the book is this storm of modern life, the stress, tiredness, overwhelm, resignation, misery that we have an epidemic of in this 21st century, I'm claiming is correlated to a reduction in time and motivation available for play in adults. Yeah, I can, I can see it very, very clearly. Yeah, no, you know, I could definitely see moments where I'm like, hmm, you're at, you know, you're, you're with your partner, you're having dinner, and then you're like, where are you at? You're like, oh, you've got all your thoughts about the what there is to do next yeah. going on. So you're, you're just killing any opportunity to be in joy in those moments. You know? Totally. I mean, play is the ultimate gateway to joy. Like, think about all the sports. Why do we love sports so much? You know, football, tennis, all, all of the sports. When you're even playing them, the play actually triggers joy. Now that's playing games, but you can actually, like we are designed to play from birth, full stop. Just look at kids. We start out with that like wonder, curiosity, learning, exploring, like, you know, we're little Indiana Joneses exploring this playground. And as adults, 
we've totally lost sight of how much our experience of our life is actually enhanced by keeping much of our life as a playground. But what do we do? We look at that life as a battleground instead. And that's what I talk about as, what if we viewed it as a playground? <laughs> you know what I'm present to right now, Saj? Yeah. The very first episode of this podcast two years ago was called Why Language is the Play-Doh of the Universe, right? Everything was about playing with language. And it's like we've come completely into that. Like for me, the way I get to create my life in a way where I get to choose it, where I get to like experience ease and joy is just like I see, like I tease out the way that the language lives to me in that context. Mm. And then if I can see that that's how it occurs to me and it's all just a matter of my interpretation, then I create an interpretation which gives me power in that moment. It's a creation. Play is a creation. Yeah. And it's a creation from nothing. It doesn't have to be a certain way. You get to discover it. You get to be in the adventure of it. You get to have fun from it. I mean, it's brilliant, Sam. I mean, that, that reminds me to play. Yeah. That's my trigger. <laughs> when, I've, when I become serious and I look at that and I think, Oh my God. So, so actually what happened when I realized this, the first thing that came out was that canvas that had stopped yeah. being painted on. That's really so cool. Now this, now this is, yeah, I mean, it, it stopped probably uh, when Druin was the age of eight. Yeah. When did and you restart it? restarted when they were 11 so druin was 11 yeah so you can see the period where it was just nothing was happening and then we restarted it and you know uh, there's me in this as well and there's there's my wife their mum is also here as well like this is all our combined creating art and and what's what's embedded in it is joy is our moments of joy where we were just together. And that's why it's a, it is my most priceless piece of art. I get it, man. Like it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's absolutely beautiful. <laughs> like I feel, I feel the, uh, the, the power and the love, which is connected with it, even though I'm not in the room with you, I can experience, you know, what it means. Oh, uh, yeah. And look, even, 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 um, you know, one of the things I also saw with, with, with my kids when I was in that zone of like seriousness is I, I'd stop them from playing. Wow. Right? Yeah, I stopped them from laughing because that became suspect for me. Oh, they're not doing their homework. They need to be doing their homework. They need to like, you know, 60% of my day was at work being yeah. serious, hardworking. And and their life was at school, working. But when I came home, it spilled over so that their evening needed to be like, you know, getting their homework done. And I was, I was a sergeant major about it. Sucked any joy out of their life. And it was realizing that and getting to a point where I couldn't tolerate that 
happening. The I was the cause mm. of stopping someone from playing. What happened, Serge, when you got present to that? And I think it was, was it Jeroen who yes. had a, react, a really visceral reaction when you, you showed up differently. Yeah, you know, it was, um, it was actually like he was getting ready for school um, and something I wouldn't normally, I mean, we, in that period of like the frenzy of like work, working life and school life and just getting caught up in the, in the survival of life, really, right? We would hardly spend time at the breakfast table. It was like a massive rush, massive dash. There wasn't hardly any conversation or conversations were almost like task orientated. Hey, porridge is ready. Come down, have your porridge quickly. Um, have you, have you, have you, have you got your, you know, it's musty day today. Don't forget your pound coin, all of the, you know, it was just poo, 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 tasks. Yeah. Right. And then it was like, everyone's out of the way. So the moment that I actually noticed what was missing in, in my sort of relationship with the boys and particularly with Druid, and that I didn't want that continuing, like me being worried and concerned, like, why is he not talking to me openly? Or, you know, like, I want to be this like cool dad, playful dad, but like the way I was actually approaching it was like, he, he was scared of me because I was a demanding, impatient dad giving him all of these tasks to do. I wasn't that playful, fun dad that they once had access to. And so one morning I actually went into Druin's room and he's like, he's putting in his school tie in front of the mirror. And suddenly he like, you know, even, even the reaction of me walking up the stairs, going into his room, he was like standing on edge, like, uh oh, like disciplinarian or Captain like, Von Trapp. Captain, yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's coming into my room to check whether it's tidy and all of that sort of stuff. And like, have I packed my bags? And, and I just, I said to him, Drew, and I'm, I'm really sorry for how I've been being, like, really treating you like a lazy sod and um, not actually seeing who you really are which is this incredibly inspiring person. I mean, his heart and this, both my boys actually, like they are such a contribution to people. They exude joy like that. And they were teaching me when I'd stopped and I got connected to that. And I, I shared that with, with, with Drew and, and I just said, look, I'm not going to give you advice unless you want it. But I'm always, always going to be a total space in the clearing for you to show up as the leader that you are. And I know you are. You know, this was a teenager I was talking to. And yeah. he had, I, I said to him, I'm, I'm actually inspired by him. Like I'm inspired by you. What did he say? And he didn't say anything. <laughs> he didn't have words, but I knew from like his, his, his eyes sort of welling up. He just reached out 
grabbed me and he held me in a tight hug. Sam, I hadn't felt that kind of a tight hug since that painting stopped. That's pretty powerful. And you know, like now, the relationship with my son and both my sons, it's just so fluid, it's so open. Um, I don't have to prize information out of them. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, let me fix your problems for you. I'm a dad. Like, uh, they, you know, they, they're just such incredible individuals in their own right. Um, yeah. And, you know, and I, and I share in the book that, um, and, and I joked with them that I want to be them when I grow up. <laughs> that's so great. So, I mean, that's, that's basically it. Like we, we just, we, we, we have a laugh together. That's the biggest shift that's actually happened. Well, that's a great place to kind of bring us to the final part of this, right? Mm. So one of the things that Saj does in the book is he has all these different practices and one of them is a bit unusual. And, mm. you know, Saj has agreed to, to share it with us here today. And yeah. this is what you call laughter yoga, right, Saj? Yeah, well, but before we, before we get to that. Okay, yeah, please. Um, like, did you, so where, where do you think in your body? Yeah you've got like the biggest range of muscles in the uh, human body. My legs? You'd think that, right? Because like you're walking, you're exercising and all of that. Well, you've got some big muscles in your legs, definitely. But your face <laughs> has the biggest range of muscle structures in the human body. Like, did you know you can actually make about 10 thousand ten thousand <laughs> unique facial expressions i did not <laughs> right now if you exercise your leg muscles what happens they get stronger all right imagine if you exercised your facial muscles what do you reckon would happen? They would get more variety and stronger as well. <laughs> yeah, it would, it would tone them up, firm them up. You wouldn't need Botox. You'd have a natural facelift. Oh, shit. Like, that's pretty cool for people who are <laughs> worried about that sort of stuff. Listen, our facial expressions are literally the, the, the central driving force of our emotions. All right now, research and 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 you know in my research as well, like you know, spoke to a number of researchers, um, and they they showed that actually when you intentionally exercise two major muscles in your face, that's that's a muscle that's here, and it's called um, the zygomaticus muscle, right, and then the orbicularis oculi muscle, which is around here, right that can actually trigger joy. 
Wow. So how do you exercise those two muscles? You might be asking. <laughs> I definitely am. <laughs> All right. Have you got a pen? Have you got a pen nearby? I'm just looking if I've got pen. I've got pen here. I have a pencil. Oh yeah, pencil will do. All right. So first thing you could do to exercise those muscles is put the in your mouth. Ah, don't close your lips. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, time. Just, just, just talk. Like, let's do the podcast uh -huh. for a few minutes exactly like this. Okay, yeah. That sounds very good, Sash. Okay. <laughs> don't, don't close your lips. Uh -huh. just, just, just keep your lips open. Uh-huh. Hold, hold the hair in your head, okay? Hold in your head. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> I wash it with wig. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah. So now take take the hair out. Take it out. Okay. So now, what that actually did, funnily enough, and you might feel a little bit of a strain here. Yeah, I do. You might feel a bit of that. Yeah. You triggered those two muscles. Uh huh. What's an easier way? Because you can't walk around life out and about getting your coffee or whatever you drink with a pen in your mouth, right? What's a, what, what do you reckon is a simpler way? Smiling. <laughs> right? See, no matter how miserable you are feeling, if someone smiles at you, you can't help but smile back, right? We are wired to deeply connect with people's humanity through smiles and eye contact. And scientifically, we have these mirror neurons, right? So it's a bit like, like if I just go like this. <laughs> In a few minutes, you might just feel like a bit of a yawn coming along, right? If you see other people yawn, you yawn. The same thing happens with a smile, right? We mirror the actions, behaviors, and emotions of people around us. So when someone smiles at you, you are behaviorally and psychologically conditioned to return the gesture. So there's this famous saying about, you know, joy can trigger a smile, but a smile can trigger joy, even if you fake it at the beginning. And it's so simple to give away. Like when you see someone not smiling, just give, give them yours. <laughs> it's a, the simplest, simplest energy jolt to trigger joy. I'm just thinking about what that would look like on the tube. Imagine yeah, everyone had to start go. smiling. There you go. And then... Everyone, everyone <laughs> listening to this right now, if you take public, public. transport, Go smile at people. See what it creates. Yeah, and I, I invite you to tag Joynetics on Instagram or reach out to Sarge or me on LinkedIn <laughs> and the Philosophical Coach and be like, hey, this is what happened when we did this. Yeah, please do that. You know, and, and look, if, if you find it difficult to smile because, hey, when I was in the midst of like grief, midst of like misery, midst of my storm, I, I decided not to smile. 
But it's very easy to smile, even if you don't feel like it. You can actually reset your smile. You can actually even just do that if you wanted to. And suddenly, eventually, it will have you smile. (laughs) (laughs) And then the smile is your bridge to laughter, okay? And I know we're going to get on to laughter, but if you really, really find it difficult to smile, because the world out there says it's a serious place, bad things are happening, and, and, and I'm not taking away the fact that there are horrible, bad things actually happening out there in the world. But you're in control of your own internal pharmacy. Not the things out there. And you want to get present to that it's not the things out there that control you and your internal pharmacy. It's you. And you can switch it on and off just as you like it. Now, if you do find it difficult to smile, you can reset your smile for first visualizing someone who brings joy in your life, like someone you love deeply, or even an event that brought you joy. And if you spend a minimum of 60 seconds just smiling, like I call it a smile of joy, there is actually such a thing, it's called the Duchenne smile, in front of a mirror, first thing when you wake up, Like really concentrate on making your eyes smile, Mm. right? This will actually start a momentum. And after only one minute of even a forced smile, you're going to feel happier. You're going to be triggering more positive and more joyful thoughts, which will make you feel great during the day. Now, isn't that a great way to start the morning? Sounds pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so look and then the the other thing i know i know you 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 wanted to go to laughter and 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 laughter yoga so laughter and humor are are universal phenomenon right like it's present in pretty much all cultures it transcends language like it you know it is probably the I, I don't know, I, I'm not a historian, but maybe it was the first ever language that um, generated joy before there was even words, right? Now, biological research suggests that human beings are genetically predisposed to laugh. Hmm, interesting. It's hardwired in our brains. And you just have to look at babies, infants, and toddlers. Like, how many times do you reckon babies and toddlers and infants generally laugh a day? Hundreds. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like anything between 300 to 400, 500 times a day. How many times do you reckon adults laugh in a day? One to five. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe if you're like really, really stuck and serious, but it's around, uh, around 10 to 15 times. Okay. Right. Because we are all conditioned and addicted to deal with surviving storms in our life. Yeah. Right. And often deliberately choose not to laugh in certain circumstances because either it's unprofessional or inappropriate. (laughs) 
oh, we need a reason to laugh. Now that's not the laughter I'm talking about. See, psychologists have said like, even one minute of forced, playful laughter for no reason is readily available. It's a cost-free way of boosting your mood and your psychological well-being. And that comes not from the mind, that comes from the body. So that's where I discovered laughter yoga through my research on joy. And I was amazed by like its immediate effects on triggering joy. So I actually formally trained up to be um, a certified laughter yoga leader. And, and laughter yoga was, um, was uh, started by a medical doctor in India called Dr. Um, Madan Kataria along with four other uh, people in, in, in a Mumbai park back in 1995. And now it's, it's practiced in thousands of laughter clubs all over the world. And it's, what's, what's unique about it is that anyone can laugh without relying on jokes, humor, or comedy. Mm. It's like, it's carried out as an exercise. And this is, you know, going back to what I originally said, it's like, you can do it on your own, of course. And I do that every morning is I try to make that miserable person that woke up laugh that I see in the mirror. <laughs> right but in laughter yoga it's actually carried out as an exercise in group where like childlike playfulness soon sort of changes the laughter from being forced and simulated to real contagious laughter and that's the beauty in it so it's and why it works is because when you actually truly truly laugh what are you actually doing you're breathing energy breathing air right down into your belly into your like you're actually practicing breathing mm. while laughing and that reduces because a lot of us aren't breathing we're not trained to breathe properly children breathe right in their belly mm. that's why they can trigger joy in the moment but as adults We've actually stopped breathing. Yeah. You think of the tattoos to say breathe. Yeah, exactly. So now you might be thinking, Sam, and, 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 and people listening to this might be thinking, yeah, but look, I, I could watch a long comedy. I could, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Friends fan, you know, laughed a lot, you know, Jim Carrey fan, fan and, you know, all of these like comedy icons that I grew up with. And I could watch that. But if you want to get the full health and well-being benefits of laughter, it needs to be extended from this usual social laughter, like those moments of, of laughter, you know, from three to five bursts to like really 10 to 15 minutes of laughter. It's an exercise. At a time? Like, would you laugh? At a time. 10 minutes straight? At a time. Yeah. I mean, you'd, you'd have to extend it because you're going to train your muscles as well. You're going to train yourself to laugh. Yeah. And the way to train yourself is bring some play into laughing at yourself. Like it will really, really free you up, lighten up, stand in front of a mirror, you know, start looking seriously at your face, start pulling faces at yourself, like subtle ones, crooked laughs, try different laughs. And then Sam, here's the other thing that I do. 
is you want to you want to laugh at specific cues okay. like so that you remember to laugh like you might have a room in your house mm. that is either the office where it's like oh so much hard work <laughs> maybe that becomes your cue the moment that you walk through that door you just burst out into laughter you just actually laugh or the moment that, that you open the fridge door you laugh that's so good. The moment cool. that you ring some doorbell, you laugh. Just create your own laughter moments, laughter cues. Yeah, that really resonates. I I like that a lot. <laughs> Now here's here's one I, I I've definitely taken on. How many times when you make a mistake or you fail at something, do you go to town on yourself, telling you you idiot, you? are a failure you're no good and all of that you entertain that dialogue sure right at times okay now do the same thing not with that sort of anger and ferocity and and ferociousness that you 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 cut yourself up with yeah but say all of those things with laughter <laughs> i'm no good <laughs> <laughs> So stressed with this situation. <laughs> I have a failure. <laughs> I have a failure. <laughs> no one loves me. <laughs> no one loves me. Why would they look at me? <laughs> I don't belong. <laughs> There you go. You can create those moments, and guess what? That conversation. starts disappearing yeah i can see that because it's like the significance that you create about the thoughts is what makes the keeps them alive like one of my mentors yeah. is to say like they're as significant as a fart in a windstorm <laughs> <laughs> <There you go. laughs> that's brilliant brilliant see i mean look in in this moment like we don't actually need a reason to laugh like i, I like i could i could just be I could be focused on that. Oh. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, that that was I was not expecting that. That really took me back. <laughs> I feel like about a workout. <laughs> There you go. And guess what will happen? You will feel energized. I feel that my uh, my skin is tightening. <laughs> You look younger already, Sam. Oh, thank you, Sarge. <laughs> <laughs> so look, that's—I mean, you know what—you want to have fun with this, and that's really what I bring out in the in in in, in the book, um, unlocking your joy potential, because it 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 brings some lightness to life with whatever we're dealing with, wherever we are. Um, we can actually trigger joy, literally by by noticing where it's not there. And then I give you certain ways of resetting whatever you notice that's not working for you, and then the generate. So it's it, the acronym I use um, is notice, reset, generate your joy of life. Then like joy of life triggers, and if you actually look at it, it's, it's quite clever. Energy jolts. <laughs> that has a bit of play in there as well. So yeah, is... that's that's what I I leave people with in the book, and you know that. Um, 
Sam, I, I just wanted to share, I've had lots and lots of feedback. It's been very well received, the book. Um, but there was one feedback that I got, which I think got me present to, okay, this, this is why I'm doing it. Um, and it was someone whose um, sister was terminally ill with cancer. And she got my book and it gave her, it gave her peace. I think you mentioned peace, but it, it, that's what she shared. It gave, it gave her such sort of peace and calmness and um, sort of power to deal with her closest sister being in the situation she was. And what she would do was she'd read chapters of my book to her. And it moved not only both of them, but it connected them. Um, and her sister bought the book for herself. Wow. She didn't get to read it. But I got the message um, afterwards that inside of all that grief of losing a loved one, that adversity, she keeps going back to the chapters to have her generate joy. And she's embraced the pain. And that one uh, feedback or one um, piece that I got from a reader, um, yeah, just got me present to what, what we are all as human beings capable of generating in the moment. That's extraordinary. <laughs> like there's, there's no other way to put it. That's just, yeah, it's a really beautiful story and well done for, for creating that and for, for everything you're causing, you know, constantly causing in the world. And this is the second time I've got to be present with Sarge and his being and the evoking of joy, you know, this week and causing miracles. And like, this, this is just who this extraordinary man is. Like, it's just such a pleasure to spend time with you, Sarge. Thank you, Sam. Sam, I, yeah, I can't wait to actually meet up and, and trigger joy together. <laughs> we will be doing that soon. We'll be doing that soon. But before we, we wrap this up, you know, what I want people to know is where can they find out more about Joynetics and what you're up to and the book, the TED Talk, all of that? Where can they go? Yeah, of course. Um, uh, www.joynetics.com. So that's J-O-Y-N-E-T-I-X.com is my web address. Um, of course, the TED Talk um, is, is available and that's on YouTube. If you um, just YouTube uh, search my name, Sarge Shah, um, I think it will, there, there are many Sarge Shahs out there in the world. <laughs> and I think mine will come up um, at, at the top, um, but it's uh, entitled Three Keys to um, Unlock your dash of joy. Yeah. And it's a really powerful 
example of what's possible, <laughs> even in the most difficult of circumstances. Thank you, Sam. So this is the end, man. I, I, I couldn't Whoa. have wanted to be with anyone who I love more than you to, to say, you know, sayonara to this podcast. So thank you. Thank you thank so much. You, Sam. Thank you. And guess what, Sam? You inspire joy. <laughs> you do. Thank you, mate. You're the thank clearing you. for it. People show up with it. And I want to thank you. Uh, you know, you've made a difference to me, but just thousands of people. Just with your entire sort of coaching programs, your, your way of being is just an immense contribution to people. And they get to discover who they are through you. So, you know, I'd just say to all of your listeners, go seek out some of Sam. <laughs> wow, uh, that's, that's very humbling and touching. And I just, yeah, I received the acknowledgement. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen for one final time. Over the last two years, this podcast has been committed to taking listeners beyond what they know and to create a future not based on the past. If you would like the opportunity to create a future not constrained by the past, then I invite you to book a 30-minute Create Your Future call, and you'll find the link in the show notes. Thank you.